Hi, I'm Chris McBrien, a Gen Xer, and the pop culture from my generation is awesome. And I'm Yance Eaton, a millennial, and the pop culture from my generation is dope. Episode 62, Star Wars The Last Jedi Movie Review. Brian here. This is Pop Goes Your World along with Yancey Eaton as always. You're going to find us on Twitter at McBrian or at Yancey Eaton. And the website, of course, is popgoesyourworld.com. You'll get all our contact information there. Yancey, what's going on, my friend? Uh, not a whole lot. Obviously, it was just Christmas down here in uh, America. I don't know if you guys celebrate Christmas in <laughs> Canada, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't, we don't celebrate it in Canada. No, not familiar no. with it? Okay. Nah, no, um, no, 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 no. No, I'm... Chris, I'm I'm good. Uh, the holiday season is kind of you know kicking my butt a little bit. It's been super busy down here. Um, I'm currently drinking a gin and tonic with some lime and uh, just nice. ready to talk about Star Wars. I always get excited because we've done a couple Star Wars shows before and just mentioned them in like certain segments and stuff. And I like that this is like the one unifying force that we have. No pun intended. Mm-hmm. Uh, is talking Star Wars because you know sometimes is when we do like multiple movie reviews or whatever, and I'm not feeling your movie and you're not particularly feeling mine, you know, I wouldn't say there's animosity between us, but I would rather us just be like, you know, peace, open love and, you know, in lockstep and singing Kumbaya and like us both like loving each other's like suggestions. I, I like it whenever we agree more than we disagree as boring of radio that might make, but <laughs> I'm just like so excited to talk about star Wars. What do you think? Oh yeah, me too. I, I've obviously been a, bit, you know, a fan forever of, of star Wars. And, right. uh, you know, as I mentioned, my, the first experience that I ever had in a movie theater, I was seven years old in 1977 watching Star Wars. And uh, it blew me away and I, I, it changed the movie going experience for me. It, it sort of defined the movie going experience for me for the rest of my life. So Star Wars has always been a big part of my life. So, mm. yeah, it should be pretty exciting. So are, do you want to get right into things or? Yeah, let's jump into it. Let's go. By the way, it's not episode four. It's not a new friggin' hope. It is Star Wars. It is very stupid. It is a dumb movie. I think there's something that the millennial generation is missing out the on. The characters are stupid and over the top. It's very campy, Chris. Honestly, I think you would like it. We gotta join the army. I've been smiling nonstop for days. Cruiser and Ox. I've had a lot of uh, FOMO, fear of missing out. For the longest time, we had VHS. Um, I'm six foot one. You're six one. You're six one. Okay, forget it. Let's get Harold Ramos to do it. Okay, so we mentioned at the top we are going to be reviewing The Last Jedi. We both are big Star Wars fans. So, Yancey, I'm going to let you start because you're the millennial and this is a millennial film, you know. Uh, So I'm going to let you just start just with your initial impressions and then we'll come in with my initial impressions and then we'll just take the conversation from there. So initial impressions on The Last Jedi. Okay, um, preface this. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. I cannot stress this enough. I'm going to talk about things in detail. I am not advanced enough to to talk about what I think about a film without mentioning every single major plot point. So please don't get upset. If you guys have not seen the movie, maybe shelve this one for a week or two until you do see it, and then we'll come back and revisit it. I just have to get that out there because, uh, you know, I've had a couple emails about like, wow, you guys like really talk about the whole movie. Yes, I'm sorry. I That's the only way I know. Anyways, getting that out of the way, I like The Last Jedi very much. I think it is a very well done movie. Um, I think it is entertaining. I think it's well shot. I think it has a few problems. I think there are some plot holes and some some quibbles that I might have with as far as like pacing and stuff goes. I think it's a very good film. Um, I would not put it ahead of any of the original trilogy, but I think it is a very good Star Wars movie. What do you think? 
Okay, so um, you, okay, so you like it when we agree on things, right? Correct. Okay, well, we're going to have some interesting radio tonight. I'm just going to come right out and say it. I know people are going to, you know, say stuff to me. And over there. this movie is oh, no. this movie is dumb. Oh no! This movie <laughs> this movie is not good, man. It's not good. Okay, it's not good. You know, I think. Remember when we did Spinal Tap? Remember when we reviewed Spinal Tap? There's a yes. quote in Spinal Tap that I think is really important when it comes to talking about The Last Jedi. And that quote is this. I think it was uh, Nigel says, there's a fine line between clever and stupid. Stupid. Yep. And that fine line has not been balanced for a while for me. And we're going to get into that tonight, but it certainly isn't balanced here. I really did not like this movie a lot. I, and I'm not one who says, oh, I'm just hating on it because it's new. It wasn't very good. There was a lot of things about it. I just the, the 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 thing that just kept coming back to me over and over as I sat in the movie theater watching it was this is dumb, just dumb. The first half of the movie, it's like a slow motion chase, you know, like like in 1994, Yancey, there was this really slow chase involving a Ford Bronco. You might have heard about it. I don't know if you're familiar with it with OJ. <laughs> but OJ, yeah, that's what familiar. that's what that scene reminded me of. It's like they're chasing them really slowly. Let's just wait for them to run out of gas. That's what we're gonna do here. And yep. it was just dumb. And the, the 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 whole thing on the island with with Ray and Luke, I was like, oh, this is dumb. And like that that creature getting milked. Remember that? Like, I'm like, this is so <laughs> dumb. I'm like, oh, this is dumb. The other thing, like, there's so many dumb things. I don't even know where to start. When, when, the, when the rebel ship got hit, Leia floated off into space. First of all, if you float off into space, you die. But, you know, then when she started floating back to the spaceship like Mary Poppins, I'm like, I'm like really? Oh, Chris, you are, the, you are the third person that I have talked to about this movie that – that mentioned Mary Poppins specifically. Yeah, talking that's what it looked that. like. It's what it the third like. person. Yeah, that's so, so wild. There you go. My goodness. See, well, we know. Um, I did. I thought the humor was 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 over the top. That scene between uh, Poe and Hux and uh, those caretakers on the island is all played up for for laughs. It, uh, just not. Okay, you remember remember when they did the special editions. Mm-hmm. And the special edition for Star Wars came out, and they added in a couple of you know CGI crap into it. And there was the scene when they're when they're going into Moss Eisley, and there's like this big tall creature with like a like a long neck, and like one of the Jawas comes down and is like swinging on it, and it's like oh, 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 and it's like supposed to be funny, <laughs> and it's not funny. That's what a lot of stuff in the movie reminded me of that scene, like when he was right. mil- milking that creature and stuff. And it reminded me of that. It's like. I don't know. They're trying to play things for humor. It's like why kind of thing. Like yeah. why even add this? What does why? it add? Yeah. So so what's your reaction to my initial take on the movie? Okay. So um, I, I've seen two sides. I've seen two camps as far as the Star Wars film goes. I've seen people who say that it is absolute trash, which I think is a little strong. And then I've heard people say that, you know, I think it's very, very good. And it's like one of the best Star Wars films ever made. And I think that's honestly an egregious take as well. Um, I definitely – so – um, maybe I didn't voice this and I'm not like backtracking just because like you're, you're coming in. So, you know, with such a fire take, um, I did have a lot of issues with this film, right? Like there's a lot of things like I mentioned as far as like plot holes and just really like, I don't know, just really questionable decision-making that they made. And I want to chalk it all up to the fact that, you know, you have JJ Abrams making one film and directing it and, you know, doing most of the writing. And then on this next one, you have Ryan Johnson doing the next one. And there are continuity issues. There are things where you see certain characters and certain plot elements that were supposed to be important to JJ Abrams. And all of a sudden, this new director doesn't think they're important at all. So he scraps them. So you have a lot of characters and a lot of buildup and storylines that were supposed to be addressed in this film that were completely left, like, 
totally abandoned, right? Um, you know, and certain things that he wanted to do as far as the plot goes that just don't make any sense. And I I don't even know like which things to tackle one on one. I guess I can I can kick it back to you by first like mentioning sure. like some of the things that you talked about is, you know, I had a I had a I kind of took an issue with uh, Julie Wren's character, um, the the admiral. I can't remember what her name was. The purple-haired lady who assumed command over the ship, right? Oh, yeah. I didn't like that. That was Laura Dern, right? That, Laura Dern. I'm sorry. I, and the thing I is – sorry, just to jump – because Laura Dern is in one of your favorite movies of all time, and that's Jurassic Park. And the thing with Laura Dern is Laura Dern's a really, really – really good actress yeah, top notch yes i don't know what she was doing in this movie i don't think she knew what she was doing in this movie that scene when she was supposed to remember she's supposed to take over for leia because leia like flew back to the ship right and then was like in the infirmary so they so yeah the, so, let's conveniently put her in a coma right yes. right so laura dern's character has to step up and take charge and this is a really good actress and if anybody disagrees with me that's fine but i mean go back and watch that scene again where she's supposed to you know, step up and give a speech to rally the rebels. There was absolutely zero enthusiasm in that speech. There was zero emotion in that speech. It felt like she was reading that speech for the first time in rehearsal. That's mm-hmm. what it felt. I'm like, what? what? Yeah. And, and not Laura like Dern, like I expect a lot more out of her than that. That's that and, and the sure. few pieces of dialogue that she was given where it was like her with another person, like or her with Poe Dameron. So, you know, it's one-on-one type of thing where you would expect to see a little bit more chemistry between the two of them. There is none. It, it falls completely flat. But um, I, I totally agree with you on that. But like there are so many things as far as like plot holes that I was talking about where there were themes and, and, and things that you could tell that they wanted to establish in the last movie that did not carry over here and they just cut them off. I'll give you a couple examples very quickly. Ray, okay? There's all this mystique about Ray's origin story. Who are her parents? Where did they come from, right? They show scenes, and it shows her having flashbacks of, like, her parents leaving in a a, a starship and and heading off towards the skies. So there's all this this element of mystery as to, you know, why is Ray so powerful? Who are her parents? Then come to find out, it's just Kylo Ren says, yeah, I saw who your parents were. They were just a bunch of basically, like, you know, druggies or, like, trashy people who, like, sold you off for – you know, booze money or something like that. And it completely kills that storyline. Or Snoke, who for the last couple of films we've been building up as like this just premier Sith Lord, incredibly, incredibly powerful. He's doing things that we have never seen people who are force sensitive do at all, like literally merging two minds together, making them meet and have a conversation, even though they're on opposite ends of the galaxy. And he is doing that because he's so powerful. Oh, and it just so happens that Kylo Ren just kills him by you know, putting a lightsaber through him with his mind. And all of a sudden, Snoke is gone. There's no buildup. There's no explanation of, of Snoke's origin story or of Ray's origin story. And then even like John Boyega, who is like, you know, honestly a phenomenal actor. He's super charismatic. And um, I, I do think that he is fantastic. And he does good with what he's given in this film. Um, like they do this whole plot digression where him and the, um, I'm sorry, I can't remember the Asian actor. Asian actresses the name but they send them off to find some code breaker so that they can break this code and they go to this like weird island and they 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 release like these horse looking animals but in the end they don't find the code breaker and then it's all for naught because you know Guillermo del Toro's character betrays them and it's almost like Raiders of the Lost Ark with the Nazis where that whole part could have not even existed and the movie would have been exactly the same. It was it was such a dumb digression from the actual main plot and it didn't make any sense at all. Like you said, like there's so much dialogue that was such a waste between Ray and Luke. That could have been some of the most like amazing like explanation, like backstory of the Jedi that we've ever seen, and they never touch on it at all. Like there are so many wasted opportunities. Um like even um like fat uh what, what's her name? Phasma. Um the Cap- uh, Captain Phasma, yeah. Phasma, I'm sorry, Captain Phasma. 
like her character, like the the last two gripes they had about her were, um, you know, during the last films was, oh, you know, she wasn't used enough, and so we were led to believe that she was gonna become like a much more integral part of this movie. Where literally they show her in like one scene, she walks up, they have a really short fight between her and Finn, and then all of a sudden she's gone and she's dead too. And it's like I, I feel like there's like this rehashing where they're introducing new characters who seem really really intriguing, but come to find out, the only reason why they're introducing these new characters is so that they can kill them off, so that there's some sort of like you know emotional stakes. But they're still keeping other characters. And it just doesn't make sense to me. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's so impossible for me to be emotionally invested in all these characters whenever you're you're not giving me any type of backstory to them. You're not explaining why they're important or who they are. And like I said, with uh, I, I, there's, just, there's just so many problems with it in that sense. Like, I feel bad because, like, from a production standpoint, it's amazing. There are certain ac- you know, action sequences that are amazing. But there's just so much other junk. Like this whole thing could have done a complete re-edit, and I think it would have been much, much better. And I know I'm not giving you like one point to latch onto, but I, I, oh, I do see what your gripes are as far as like mm-hmm. there's so many parts of this that I, I think the the most apt word is it's it's dumb. It dumb. wasn't thought yeah. out. It's dumb. Yep. And you're giving me a couple of things to talk about. And the first one is I thought it was interesting. <clears throat> excuse me. You mentioned uh, the word trash. You said a lot of people just think it's trash. I just like to, to just point out, I, I don't think that it's trash. So I'm not going to fall mm-hmm. in that camp. I just think it's dumb. That's all. Um, yeah. The other thing is that you mentioned an interesting thing because, you know, how th- this movie has a different director. Rian Johnson is different. Obviously, J.J. Abrams did, you know, the last one, right? But the original trilogy had three different directors, right? There was Lucas, Irvin Kirshner, and, and Richard Marquand. So... They, I actually didn't know that. Yes, they were able to get, you know, get some continuity and and flow between those three movies quite easily with three different directors. Um so, you know, it that's not an, a hurdle that can, you know, that cannot be overcome in any way. Um but the biggest thing too, I've heard some people say that, you know, Okay, because obviously this is a perfect place to air this because I'm a Gen Xer, you're a millennial. That's what we do on this show. We argue back and forth from two different generations. And one of the things I've heard a lot of people say is that um the Gen Xers don't like this movie because the way that the Star Wars franchise is going is going to a like more of a millennial audience with millennials in it. And, you know, like with things like the female in the lead and all that. And I have, by the way, I have no problems with female in the lead in this. I think the best right. part of the movie was Ray. Daisy Ridley is incredible. I think she's phenomenal. She's a great actress. Mm-hmm. So I thought she was the best part of the movie. Here, here's the, it's a, there's a bigger thing going on here. And this is what I think it is. They have never been able to recapture the magic of the original trilogy. They just haven't. They couldn't do it in the prequels. They didn't do it in those stupid special editions. They haven't done it in the two movies, not in Rogue One. It's just, that is the overall arching thing. There's the original trilogy, and it was magical, and it was unbelievable. And it was, and the whole point of Star Wars for me, and I've said this before in the podcast, is that it's a lot of fun to watch. Like, it's about action, pace, and plot with great characters to motivate the story. And at some point, all of that changed. And I think it's just because it was done so well in the original trilogy that, you know, there, there became this theory among fans and the movie makers that what was important was the mythology of the story, the mythology of the Force, the mythology of the Jedi, the mythology of where Darth Vader came from, the mythology of the Resistance, and all these other point points. Mm-hmm. And that's not what's important. What's important is action, pace, and plot with great characters to motivate it. That's it. That's the magic. Not backstories about how the bad guy became bad, not side stories about how they stole the plans for the Death Star. That's not important. Blowing up the Death Star with help from Han and Chewie, that's what matters. All this other stuff, all of it, 
all the other stuff that they brought out since, none of it matters. People are gonna, I, people are going to totally I, hate on me for it, but that's how I feel. I totally agree with you, Chris. And um, if you remember, our buddy Chris Myers, he's a really good friend of the show. He's oh, been yeah. awesome on our, on our, our old Fantasy Baseball podcast together. Uh, we talked a little bit about this uh, on Twitter. And I was I was mentioning how I was intentionally trying to stay away from watching like the extended trailers, like, you know, the two and a half minute, three minute trailers. Um, I was staying away from watching fan theories and watching YouTube videos where they break down scene by scene and try to give you, you know, maybe this means this or maybe this is indicating that this is this person's origin story or this is where this person came from from and i found in the end where like you said none of that stuff matters and i did that for the last couple of films just because like i was so hungry for new star wars stuff that like that was almost like my fix was trying to predict what was going to happen but i found it to be like ultimately it was really really distracting and like you said why does it matter why does it always have to matter what is it with with the star wars fandom and especially people of my generation to be honest with you like they're they're more obsessed with the origin story like as soon as they introduce ray they're like who's ray's mom and dad who freaking cares? You know what I mean? Like, why does it always come back to stuff that happened before that's not in the present that has nothing to do with the movie? Why is that front and center? Why is that the most important thing in these movies? Like, and nobody you know, watched. Talk- yep, nobody watched the original movie and went, "Where's Han Solo's parents? Where does he come yep. from? Where what's Chewie's planet? Where's he come from? Where's Chewbacca's that- mom? Yeah, don't, like- don't care. He's just a kind of a cool character, and you just take him at face value." Yeah, I know. I I just feel like Star Wars right now, like it's kind of at a crossroads right here, right? And remember, we talked about this with um uh, the Force Awakens, right? Where you and I both acknowledged that you know it had it had some problems mm-hmm. with it, and we ultimately thought it was a good movie. I thought it was like, good. I thought it was even good. this one. Yeah. We're not we're not we're not completely trashing this and saying no. it's a bad movie. It's not a bad movie, but Star Wars, it's like Kendrick Lamar as far as like rap music goes. It is on a different level. Okay, it, it has a different standard. Whether that's fair or not, that's just how it is. Whenever you you know, if you want to be the biggest and the best like you're going to be judged as such so like with star wars like i will get nitpicky and i will point out like really minute continuity errors and like issues with plot and 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 pacing and everything like that because it's freaking star wars and i feel like we're at this crossroads with with this star wars where like they don't they can't decide what they want to do there it's almost like they're trying to gauge which part of their audience is bigger like do we want to pander to like the younger audience and millennials and make it more like just about like action and like visual effects and like or do we want to give lip service to like the old fans and like bring them back into the fold like you know like rogue one was or something you know like i feel like they're 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 trying to have both parties be completely happy with it and i feel like if they were just more true to like like you said the basics of what made the original star wars trilogy so successful everything else would fall into place they're they're just not focused on on like really really solid storytelling and telling like a a a clean straightforward story there's so many of these little you know these little digressions of the plot popping up here and there like i mentioned you know, uh, John Boyega's character, Finn, and the, again, I'm not to, not, I'm trying to disparage her, but the Asian woman's name, I cannot remember it to save my life. They go off and they do this whole thing where they're trying to find a code breaker and they don't find the right one. And then the one that they do find, you know, it doesn't work. And then he betrays them. And then all, that was all for naught. And then, you know, but we're supposed to care about those characters. And then randomly, well, well, they you know, freed the animals. They freed the animals. Yes. Yeah, they freed the animals, you know. And like, I, I just think it's interesting that like they talk about, you know, the I have to look up her name because I keep saying that Asian woman. It sounds like super disparaging. Um, what is her name? It is I can't find it. It doesn't matter. Okay. I I'm not sure what her name is, but anyways, like her whole like her big line in the movie is talking about like it's not killing the things that you hate, it's about saving the things that you love. Yeah, she just spent like the last hour literally destroying an entire, you know, 
world because she hated them because they were people that were getting rich off of, you know, selling, you know, munitions and stuff during wartime. So, like, it's, like, super, super hypocritical. Or, like, they try to make it instantly, like, despite the fact that there is no chemistry between those two characters at all, all of a sudden, whenever Finn is trying to run that machine into, like, the, you know, the the whatever machine it was that was coming at them, one of the AT-ATs or AT-ATs or whatever you call it, um... Then all of a sudden she tries to save him and then she like kisses him. So like all of a sudden it's like a love story despite the fact that there's like no chemistry. You see what I'm saying? It's like I feel like with so many different things in this movie, it's like they couldn't decide what they wanted it to be. They didn't decide what direction the movie wanted to go. And like, you know, it, it gets a free pass because like it's beautiful. Like every part of the movie is beautiful. Everything. And there are some really, really beautiful scenes, which we'll, I'm sure we'll touch on individually. Um, but there's just so much junk that I just wish they, they would just cut out. Like less is more, especially in the case of Star Wars. They're trying to be so, so clever and cover all their bases, and and in some respects, it's just not working. For me, the look and feel of Star Wars has always been that it's sort of dirty, it's a lived-in world, you can see the rivets on everything, and Mm -hmm. the prequels lost that. Because the prequels, all of a sudden, it was like all these shiny spaceships. And the other thing, too, that the prequels did, and this does as well, it tries to cram way too much stuff into every frame. It's like these big, grand sets with lots going on, tons of spaceships flying by in the background. The original trilogy was all about speed through the frame. Like, it didn't take mm-hmm. time to show off, you know, all these worlds and all that. Now, partly because they didn't have the special effects at the time. I get it. But that that's not what the movie was about. It didn't take time to show off the special effects. It was like watching an IndyCar race when you watch the original trilogy. Everything's moving, moving really, really quick. And, <clears throat> excuse me, whereas here, it seemed like they want to take time to show off all these beautiful worlds and stuff like that. That's great, but that's not what Star Wars is. Going back to my point about what the original was all about, which was fun, you know? Yep. The thing that gets me too is I'm hearing a lot of people, you mentioned the word hate, you know, and like there's a lot of people that are out there hating on this movie. And it's just like, you know, I've like, because I will say this, this is going to get me in trouble. I'm, I'm, oh God, I'm kind of done with Star Wars. I know that that sounds awful. I'm kind of done. I'm just kind of done with it because to me, there's just more reinforcement of the fact that, as I said earlier, the original trilogy is where the magic is and everything else since then has been dumb. And the thing is, is that there's a lot of people that are hating on this now and saying, oh man, this movie's terrible. You know, you have this camp that, oh, we love it. And the other camp says, no, no, we hate it. But the thing is, if you honestly come out and just go, man, you know what? I hate this movie. This is terrible. Like there was that, even though I even though I liked it, and I mentioned it the other week I liked it because it was campy. There's that stupid holiday special. There's those the, those Ewok movies. The, they had those special editions that were crappy. The prequels are awful. You know, this Clone Wars movie that was just dumb. After all this stuff, like, this is where you draw the line, this movie? No, it's been dumb for a long time, unfortunately, just like I was saying. Yep. You know? So I think that's the, it's the bigger picture of this. It's not just like, oh, man, everything's been going so great. Star Wars is awesome. And this is just bad. This is dumb. It's been dumb for a while. It's been yep. dumb for what the original trilogy. And again, this is I'm the the ultimate Gen Xer saying this, but the original trilogy had magic. Everything else does not have magic. I think that's interesting. I I, I don't know how to jump back into it. I'll I'll just kind of piggyback even more on what you're saying. One of the things I find frustrating about these new movies is you have one of the most established, built-in user bases. Like the there are so many people that love this film for what it is, and you did not need to add a whole bunch of stuff to it. You could just make a continuation. You could add different characters and keep expanding on the universe that was already established and has already proven to be successful, right? 
Yeah, what do they do? They keep adding all these different iterations of like, okay, like the force. Okay, what it what it is that the force can do. All of a sudden, we found that the force can transcend time. The force can transcend space. You can emit an avatar, a holographic avatar, halfway across the galaxy and do all these different things with it. You can use the force like Snoke did to literally forge two minds together, two two states of consciousness and have them connect to each other and talk and you can hear it. There's so many things now where like they're changing almost like, you know, like the, the laws of physics, like the, the, the most basic rules of what the force can and can't do, they're changing it. Or even things like Let's talk about this too. Um, what did you say her name was? The the actress. Uh, oh my god! I, you literally L- just said Laura Dern. Laura Dern. I'm sorry, yeah. Vice Admiral Holdo. <clears throat> okay, I I had this open and I I just keep forgetting. But okay, something so simple. One of the most pivotal moments in the film, and I actually when I went to see it with my wife, like people started clapping and stuff whenever this happened. But you mentioned like most of this scene is literally just a slow high speed chase. Yeah. I say slow, I, I, a slow speed slow chase. speed chase. Yes, it's one it's one big ship chasing <clears throat> a bunch of little ships and slowly picking them off one by one. Right. This this admiral has no plans. She she doesn't divulge to the you know the rest of the team as they're slowly getting picked off and dying. What's going on? She doesn't tell anybody, despite the fact that like you know what what are they going to do? Are they going to you know are they going to betray her or something? No, they're all about to die. So here we think that she has some grand plan. Whenever in the end the plan is, oh they're all just going to evacuate. No, that's that is not a plan. And then towards the end, like I said, she's the last person on the ship and she turns it around and she puts it into light speed and she drives it through the what was it called the dreadnought or whatever Mm. this literally challenges like every other star wars film that we have ever seen where you can't one you're not supposed to be able to track people using you know if they're going through light speed two you are not supposed to be able to just drive your ship into another ship using light speed and you know just basically destroying the whole ship and if that were an option why wouldn't one of the ships that was at the tail end of the pack that would have been picked off first why wouldn't they have done that at the beginning of the film why would you literally sit there and watch your entire resistance fleet be picked off one by one and then you decide to take out the ship like there's like you know stuff like that like people might say oh that's just like a minor issue no that's a major issue you literally just changed how star wars works you know what i mean if it were so easy as well i'm just going to put my ship into you know into light speed and i'm just going to drive it right through another ship like what are we doing you know why are we even having like starfleet you know fights and you know like like with the bombers there's ships where all they do is they drop a bunch of bombs on something we're in space we're in outer freaking space like there's no gravity like what you, you see what i'm saying like why why would there be a bomber in the middle of space like there's so many little things like that where like it was almost distracting because it just didn't make sense it didn't make sense in the context of the star wars universe and like the rules that we've been taught apply to star wars and it doesn't make sense in real life either so it's like i'm constantly like seeing like these little things and like i'm gonna go see it again i'm not gonna lie i'm a sucker for star wars chris and i know you're ready to quit it i'm not ready to quit star wars i don't think i ever will but um it's just like you said it's 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 just uh it's just dumb it's just dumb that they're adding all these stupid things when they didn't have to like they were served star wars on a silver platter and despite the fact that like you know disney gets all these amazing actors and actresses and you know the cgi is unparalleled they spend more money on it than any other film it just you know it looks beautiful all signs point to yes they have all the resources in the world and when it comes to like really really like simple elements to the film they just don't get it you know it's it's funny you mentioned that you're going to go back and see it again and how i'm going to quit star Wars. i'm not going to quit star Wars. I'm just going to go back and watch the original trilogy over and over again and, <laughs> because I've already seen them, you know, a bazillion times. Right. And that's something that struck me too when I was watching this movie about halfway through. It kind of struck something struck me. The thing that struck me was I don't want to see this movie again. 
Like I could care less if I see and, and and going back to the Force Awakens. So I went to see the Force Awakens and then I took my wife to go see it. So I took my son to go see it and I took my wife to go see it. So I saw it twice and I haven't seen it since. It's on Netflix, but I haven't watched it again. And this one I will not watch again. I'm, I have no desire to watch this one again. And it just struck me because the original trilogy I can watch over and over and over and over and over and over again. And I will continue to watch over again until the day I die. And so mm. I'm never going to quit Star Wars. The original trilogy, I just keep watching them over and over again. But everything else, I just can't stand. Like, I couldn't watch it again. To me, there was no rewatchability. We've talked about that so many times on this podcast about the rewatchability of things. And this mm. just doesn't have it. Neither did The Force Awakens for me. You know, one thing I thought was interesting, you mentioned The Force and about how it it's like, you know, used to all these different, you know, ends in this movie and how it's used in all these ways. If you go back to the original movie, it was nothing like that at all. Like the original movie, the, right. for, the force, the force didn't even help anybody do anything. It didn't help them blow up the Death Star. Yeah, he shut off his computer and, it, you know, he used the force. But all the force did was allowed him to just be able to do what he already had inside him. Remember, he could bullseye Wamprats back home. So he was able to hit that little thermal port because he could do it. He had that ability. He had to believe in himself to do that. He had had to have Han come in. I know, the Force almost seemed seemed to be more of like... It almost seemed to be more of like an idea or like a a mindset than an actual like physical force. Where now like the Force is literally like... You know, I mean, it, it controls everything and you could do possibly anything. You can control minds and people and things and spaceships and just everything. You know, what I mean, it's it, it's it's like the force is becoming more, more and more powerful. And like it, it's had this it's had this evolution where like you remember during uh, like episodes one through three, where all of a sudden they changed up like what the force was like. The force was supposed to be almost like a um, like a way of life, like I said, or like a, a thought process, like a way for you to harness what was already there, like you just mentioned. And then during episodes one through three, all of a sudden Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi are talking about how the force is, oh, it's midi-chlorians. It's yeah. something that's in your blood. And so then they completely – then they – whenever we go back to the, the Force Awakens – then you're listening to like Maz Kanata, Lupi, uh, Lupita Nyong'o's character. She's talking about like the Force is everyone; it's all around us. Every so like so, what is the Force? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's the most driving. I don't want to say Force, but it's the most driving um, element of the entire film. It's like the it's the yin and the yang. It's the thing that you know it, the duality between good and evil. Everything is controlled by this one you know inanimate, intangible thing. And like even the creators of the actual franchises don't really know what it is and they keep kind of bending it to fit their narrative and to make the characters do what they want to do and make it more awesome or less awesome and you know like let's just leave the force alone let's just work in these confines like i said they're changing the rules they're changing the law of physics to this universe and it's leaving a lot of people with a really bad taste in their mouth yeah so you know what i was saying before how they're cramming so much stuff into every you know every frame and trying to trying to make it so big and big and big but it's what it's missing is the the basic elements of storytelling and and understanding that some parts of the movie are big and some parts are small and the to me the biggest part of the movie spoiler alert again you know as we mentioned spoiler luke dies right and his death to me seemed very small. It just seemed almost like, oh, that's that's it. That's it. Yeah. You're doing everything over the top, cramming a bazillion things into every frame of this movie. And the most important part of the film is just feels like an afterthought. It's like, oh, okay, that just happened. Yeah. Oh, did that happen? What? What? You know what I mean? Like, like it just it doesn't seem like it understood just that that sort of cadence of filmmaking to me. I don't know. That's 
that that was one thing. Another thing that stands out to me too that I just got to say you know, that's on my mind is Yoda. So then Yoda makes an appearance. Oh, good, Yoda's coming back. Why did they have to CGI him? I know it's a thing. I know it's a millennial thing. No, 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 no. They didn't. That was a puppet Yoda. No, it wasn't. It was CGI. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. I promise you. I've read like multiple things on this. That was a puppet Yoda. I was watching it going, well, that, that should be a puppet. That looks like it's CGI. <laughs> I'm so, like nine percent sure, Chris. Like, we, we gotta I'll, find I'll out. Somebody, please, somebody, please tweet me <laughs> at C McBrien or tweet Yancey at Yancey and tell us if you know. To me, that was a CGI Yoda, just like all the other CGI crap that they put into these movies. And the best part of the Empire Strikes Back was the fact that it wasn't. It was a puppet, and Frank Oz was actually bringing that thing to life in amazing ways. Frank Oz still did the voice, but you know, it was. It was a CGI Yoda. So, I mean, that was one thing that stuck out to me, too. But th- this is going to bring me back to one more point, and then we're going to do some trivia, okay? Because this is one point that I think, and, I, and I'd like to get your take on this, too. I do I do want to touch on, on a couple things that we actually like about the film. Too. Sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Go for it. You want to do that right now? Sure. Okay. So, like I mentioned, I, I, it's kind of cheap at this point, and we all know this. Like, the the, the actual landscapes, the, the cityscapes and stuff that they build in this are, are beautiful, Okay. Um, as far as like actual characters, like you mentioned, Ray, I think she's fantastic. My wife mentioned this like immediately after the film. I don't know if this is just like a woman thing, um, but she talked about continuity. She's like, if you look in different scenes, you can tell that certain parts of the film were filmed in different spots because like her weight fluctuates a lot. Um, I didn't notice that, but my wife did. I thought that was kind of interesting. But overall, I think Ray, like you said, she is obviously the highlight of the franchise. I think she's very good. She's very believable. She does the best with what she's given. You know, she doesn't write the script. She doesn't decide, you know, pacing and flow and, and her interactions with other characters at all. She doesn't, and yet she still does a very, very good job. Um, you mentioned Yoda. I thought that Yoda, everything that they, you know, as far as dialogue goes and the things that he said, I thought it perp like perfectly encapsulated what we know Yoda to be which is like this um you know like he's he's older than dirt but he's super super wise but he's also self-aware enough to know that like in the end like everything is not not that it's a joke but never take yourself too seriously never take the force too seriously you know like they perfectly encapsulate like that sense of humor and that wittiness and that that like kooky charm that Yoda had in the original series you know like where like he's literally talking about like the Jedi books and you know have you ever even read them there's nothing good in them and then he Literally sends lightning down you know he's a ghost essentially he's a force ghost and he can send lightning down and, and destroy this tree and he's laughing i loved yoda in this um you mentioned luke I, I i found that the way that they kind of like sent him out on this franchise it was a little anticlimactic and especially because like I anticipated them making him such a small part of this film. Like for some reason, it just felt like that to me where I was reading things in the press. And again, this is why you stay away from reading stuff outside of the actual film. Like don't, don't buy into all that, you know, the, the, the guesses and, and people trying to make predictions on the film. Like, um, you know, I was reading stuff about how like he just wanted to do one and done just like Han Solo. He didn't want to be in this film. So I expected him to have a very, very small part. And the fact that he was so, you know, intimately involved throughout the course of this whole movie was actually kind of cool. And he was a complete badass, to be honest with you. Like, I loved Luke in this. I thought that he was believable. I thought that he, you know, his interactions with Ray where he talked about how like, you know, this is not going to go down as you think this does not go as like you, like you think it's going to trust me. And you know, the fact that he was so awesome and like his interaction with Kylo Ren at the end, it was awesome. But for them to kill him, like for him to be alone and to just disappear like that with no explanation, not really explaining why that happened or, you know what I mean? It was so unceremonious for like the most pivotal, you know, 
most likely the the most pivotal character in like the history of, of Star Wars. Like I, I thought that was a little unfair to be completely honest with you. Um, so I didn't like that, but I did think that his performance was super super strong. Can I jump and in so- on that for a second? Yeah, sure. I'd like to jump in on that because this is what I think. I think when I watched the original trilogy, I felt like I was watching Luke, Han, and Leia. Yes. Now with The Force Awakens and now with this one, I feel like I've been watching Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher. Really? Yeah. That's what I feel like. Like, not once in the original trilogy did I think outside the box of Luke. It's like, okay, that's Luke. He's just playing the character great. Han Solo is Han Solo. He's doing a great... And I, I knew it was because that I could turn around and watch something like Raiders of the Lost Ark and watch Harrison Ford play that and go back and go, man, those are two totally different characters. Man, he did a really good job. He was Han Solo. Like, that's Han Solo. When I when I watched The Force Awakens, when Han Solo came into the scene, it's like, that's that doesn't feel like Han Solo. That's Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. And I felt the same way about Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher, I lo- I I like Carrie. I've always liked Carrie Fisher. She's so Carrie Fisher she is literally so awesome. royalty in my. She family. is, isn't she? The yes. great. She is like the greatest thing ever. I just, I just, I truly think I love her. Like for so many reasons. Um, I just love her attitude. I love everything about her. Uh, you know, it was such a such a shame that we lost her last year. But the thing is, is that in this movie, I felt like I was watching Carrie Fisher. I didn't feel like that was watching Princess Leia. I just, mm-hmm. I just didn't, and I, I don't necessarily blame the actors for that. I blame the directors for that. Yep. Like, I, I don't know, but I don't know. Anyway, I, sorry, I, I, just continue with what you're saying. Yeah, I, there was one particular scene. It was, it was my very favorite scene in the movie, um, and it wasn't very consequential to like you know the overall ending or anything like that. But you mentioned Carrie Fisher, and I, I literally circled and highlighted this multiple times because I just wanted to. I wanted to make sure that I talked about this just because it was the most visceral moment in the entire movie. And to be completely honest with you, I'm not like too you know ashamed to say this, but like it literally made me like emotional. I wasn't like bawling, but like I literally like welled up. And that was whenever Luke Skywalker sees R2-D2 again for the first time in, you know, God knows how long, you know, 30, 40 years or whatever. And, uh, you know, R2-D2 is really excited to see him. And then Luke Skywalker says to him, well, you know, R2, there is nothing you can do. There's nothing you can say that is going to make me go back. And then R2-D2 instantly, like, projects the hologram from the original series of Princess Leia. That was cool. That was so amazing. It was so well done. It didn't feel like you were just trying to pander to the old audience. It made so much sense. And, like, it literally showed, like, you know, it, it... it brought to the forefront the real connection that Luke has with Leia, you know, as his sister. And I just thought it was so, so perfect. It was the most perfect scene in that entire movie. And if you looked in the background, it was very, very nondescript. It was dark. There wasn't a whole bunch of, you know, CGI and, and you know, crazy stuff going on in the background. It was just a really simple scene that harkened back to, you know, a, a very se- – like one of the first scenes we've ever seen in Star Wars of Princess Leia. I just thought it was so – it was one of the few, like, really, really high points of the entire film. But I, I am. I'm so, so glad that you mentioned that because if I was, I was assuming that at some point you're going to ask me, what was the scene that I liked or what was my favorite scene? Yes. And that but, was well, it. I want, you, I want, I want that from you. That's, so we, we that do. was that scene. That scene was my favorite scene for all the things that you said. Number one, it's sentimental, you know, mm-hmm. uh, number two, for me, you hit the nail on the head. It was simple. The scene it was, simple. was simple. There wasn't a zillion things going on. It, it was, was not telling a story and it was allowing the emotions just to come out of what was happening. I just thought mm-hmm. it was perfect. I that I agree with you 100%. That was the best scene in the movie. So, Chris, was there anything – I know we're running a little long, but mm-hmm. this is a freaking Star Wars movie. Sure. So we got to 
whatever. But are, are there any other redeeming things about it that you could say? Are there are there plot things that you liked, or were there specific characters that you thought were particularly strong or interesting, or like is, is there anything else that you can kind of hold on to where it gives you like a glimmer of hope that maybe there is like a way for this franchise to kind of turn itself around in your eyes? Is there anything good that you saw of this movie aside from that one scene you just mentioned? I don't mentioned? know. I've always even from the last movie, I've I've thought Kylo Ren was kind of cool. Like he was kind of an interesting character just because he's like he's Ben, right? You know, he's he's uh, Han and Leia's son. Uh, so I think he's kind of cool. And I do like Adam Driver as an actor. I always liked him in Girls. That show, I always thought he was really good. He's very, my wife too. Yeah, he's my very wife too. weird and quirky. He's like a very, he's one of the most original actors I've ever seen in my life. And so when they originally said he was cast in a Star Wars movie, I was like, whoa, what? Um, so, so him I like, but I think, um, Anything with Daisy Ridley in any scene, I, I would like. It's just too bad because the, all those scenes on that island were bad. I was like you, though, um, going into this. I stayed away from everything. I didn't watch any trailers. I didn't watch mm. stuff. I didn't read anything. I wanted to go in completely just on my own. And the only images that I had going into this movie was I had seen uh, on, you know, on TV and on like a trailer that was on was it looked like she, um, uh, Ray was like training in some way with a lightsaber on the island. So, okay, well, she's going to be doing some Jedi training. And the only other thing that I saw was the, the pork. You know, where it's screaming. Well, that's unfortunate because you know, yeah, that yeah. was just like a, a blatant marketing attempt yeah, to like exactly. introduce another cute character to sell merchandise. But um, they, I mean, they don't even address them individually in the film at all, really. They're just kind of there. They're mm -hmm. just there just to <laughs> literally just to sell merchandise, which is kind of, you know, disingenuous. But um, I, I'm disappointed that you don't like it, Chris. But like, I totally get what you're saying here. Like, um, like if I had to put this, if I had to rank this as far as like all of the Star Wars films go. I mean, I'm I'm still gonna say it's better than episodes one, two, and three. Um, I, I think Rogue One is better. I think The Force Awakens is better. Um, but it's just kind of there. It's it's. I don't want to say it's a forgettable film because I do think it kind of pushes the story along a little bit. It killed off a lot of characters, just like you know the last film did. Um, I I just hate that certain characters that we were led to believe were so pivotal to the franchise as a whole. Uh, like like I mentioned, like Snoke, you know. All of a sudden, like their death was so inconsequential and they just keep pushing forward. And so th what they're going to do is they're just going to keep introducing more characters. And then, you know, we're supposed to feel emotionally invested in them and wonder what's going to happen with them. And then they're just going to kill those off, too. I hope that, the, you know, that that's not the case, that they kind of like get their stuff together and we have like a more cohesive storyline. Um, but I, I, I don't know. Um I mean, we've done a lot of bashing on this film. I, I like well, I said, it's not a track film. It is is far better than most films I've seen this year. Like it, it is a it is a well done film. Um, but as far as like Star Wars goes, like I don't know, I'm I'm not nearly as high on it as some of the other films. Well, the original trilogy is, you know, it is what it is. You know how I feel about that. I've made that known many times on the podcast. The prequels don't exist um, in my world, and so of the three new movies, I would say, if, like if I have to rank them, you know, kind of like what you did, I would say The Force Awakens first, Rogue One second, and this one third. Um, but the point that I wanted to make before we go, and I'll do some trivia with you, but the point I want to make is this, and I think it's something people need to need to understand or need to talk about this and this is in sort of a generalization and 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 i think it also applies to the world in general especially with you know all the massive divisiveness that's going on in your country lately Nancy. you know what it's okay to love the new star wars stuff and it's okay to hate the new star wars stuff but what i think we yep. need to be careful of is not hating each other as a result of it and that's what I think is missing here because I'm seeing a lot of stuff on social media and I'm starting to see a lot of things where, you know, some people love it and some people hate it. And but the problem is, is that they're starting to hate each other 
as a result of their opinions mm-hmm. on it. And you have your opinion, Yancey. I have mine. We're still great friends. We still respect each other 100%. And that's what makes this podcast so great to do, right? And that's one thing I just yep. think we need to be careful about is that people are that love the new Star Wars and people that hate the new Star Wars are like hating on each other. Well, hold on a second here. You know, I still love the original trilogy. I'm still a Star Wars fan. You know, mm-hmm. a huge Star Wars fan, you know. So you should you should find solace in the fact that you guys both like something. So basically what exactly, you're saying, Chris, is exactly. we yes. shouldn't we shouldn't focus on destroying the things we hate, but saving the things we love. Right. Is that there what you you're go. saying? I think that's See? pretty good. Yeah, nice I like that. Tie in. Oh, well done. Yeah, it's <laughs> the millennial country. Yep, All right. Let's have some fun with Yancey. Okay, so what we're going to do is I tell you what, let's have some fun. I'm going to give you a character. Okay, Yancey. And because, you know, I'm a, okay. mass, I'm a massive original trilogy guy, all you need to do is tell me if this character was in the original trilogy or in all the other Star Wars stuff. I'm just lumping all the other stuff together. So it's prequels, you know, Force Awakens, Rogue One, and this is all the other stuff. So I'm going to give okay. you, you, give you a character. You say if they're original trilogy or not original trilogy. Okay. This sounds easy in theory, but I'm definitely going to screw this up. (laughs) Okay. So original trilogy or not. Okay. With with the first character, this is an easy one. Porkins. Not. No. Oh, wait, no. Ah, Porkins. I'm I'm thinking Porgs. I'm sorry. You said no. Porkins Porkins is the X-Fighter. Yes. Yes, Original trilogy. He's the heavy guy with the beard that blew up. When I was a kid, I was like, man, I really wish they had a Porkins action figure. And they never had one. So I was like. Seriously, as soon as you said that, my mind immediately went to like the little pseudo bird. Yeah. Weird looking creature. But yes, you're right. I told you I would screw this up and I did. Okay. Anyway. All right. So here's another one. Forlom. Is Forlom from the original trilogy or not? I'm going to say not. No, no. He's in the original trilogy. The Empire Strikes Back. I don't know who that is. Forlom is one of the, the bounty hunters. Uh, okay, I'm going to go with Cornelius Evazen. <laughs> also known as Dr. Evazen. Um, original trilogy or not? Not. <laughs> wrong no he's in the original trilogy he's the one from star wars who's in the cantina he's the one he's the guy in the cantina remember with the bad like the scarred face he's like i'm a wanted man on four planets you know all that that guy my friend doesn't like you i don't like you either yeah that guy (laughs) loses his arm okay all right uh tk421 is tk421 original trilogy or not not TK421 is the guard that's supposed to be watching the Millennium Falcon in, in Star Wars. I feel and like then, you set it up. <laughs> no, and remember, and remember Han and Luke go down and they take them, they, they beat up those guys, they put on their, their the Stormtrooper outfits and they come out and he's like, TK421, why aren't you at your post? TK421, original trilogy, all the way. Okay, IG88. Is IG88 original trilogy or not? IG88? IG88. Yes, Yancey. I'm going to say that's the new one. That's one of the new droids. Nope. He's from the Empire Strikes Back. He is also a bounty hunter. <laughs> okay. Is it, I'll give you an easy one. This is too hard for you. I haven't got any. Wicket. Is Wicket original trilogy or not? Not. Wicket is one of the Ewoks that was played. Uh, <laughs> Did you not name Warwick a single orig- or new trilogy character? No. Oh, no well, let's keep going here. Lobot. Is Lobot original trilogy or not? Not. He's from The Empire Strikes Back. He's the bald guy with the computer going around his head. And finally, I'll give you one more really easy one, okay? Bib Fortuna. Is Bib Fortuna original trilogy or not? Bib Fortuna? Yep. 
Well, if we went by the pattern of literally every single one of these characters being original trilogy, I'm going to say it is original trilogy. Yes, it is, because I only go with the original trilogy, so it was all <laughs> trick questions. They were all from the original trilogy. Uh, bonus points if you know who Bib Fortuna is or what movie he was in. Um, I, I You got don't. a one in three chance of getting it right. I'm going to say A New Hope. No, no, remember, it's not called A New Hope, Yancy. You millennials, it is Star Wars. It's Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi is where Bib Fortuna is in. He's the guy at Jabba's Palace with a long like thing coming out of his head. Looks like a snake. It wraps around his whole body. Okay. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, is he blue? No, he's not blue. He's like flesh colored. But anyway, okay. anyway, so you, you, you did. Well, that sucks. You didn't do very well. <laughs> not great, Bob. <laughs> and I made it easy. They're all from the original trilogy because I don't like anything but the original trilogy. You are that a snake. That is that is some really manipulative. Oh, like, quiz. man, I thought it was easy. I thought you, you spot the pattern. You didn't spot it to the last one. Because I kept uh, thinking you would switch back over. Like, surely he's not going to do all of them the same. You see what I'm saying? I am, and don't call me Shirley. You know where that's from. (laughs) Uh, Kelly Marie Tran is the actress that you were trying to think of, by the way. Yes, thank you. Thank you. And her name was Rose in the the movie. That's right. But anyway, so there it is. We got the chance to get together and talk about Star Wars, even though probably going to get lots of hate mail for it. Um, So next week, we're 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 going to come back with a top five list. You don't have to throw a movie at me for that, okay? We'll come back with a top five. We'll do that again. That'll be great. Um, Until then... I hope everybody enjoyed the Star Wars show and did, didn't didn't dis, you know disagree with us too much or whatever or whatever. I'm sure we'll hear lots of things about it. But until next time, this is Chris McBrien for Yancey Eden saying thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thank you for listening to the Pop Goes Your World podcast. Continue the conversation on Twitter at C. McBrien or at Yancey Eaton. Please consider leaving a review for the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show. Hey.